Next Chapter Podcast. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The lyrics are great. I've got a delicate mind. I've got a dangerous nature. And when my fist collides with your furniture. So let me ask you a question, just judging by that lyric. Is this a song about putting together Ikea furniture? <laughs> And just yeah. being so pissed off. You're like, I can't put together this good <laughs> honey. I don't know how to do did you, I lost the little tool. You know, I'm just gonna put my fist through it. Who's that I bet each and every one of you thought I was gonna play Here Comes the Rain Again. But I didn't. Cause this is my favorite song on the record. From my lover's tongue Cooler than ice cream And warmer than the sun Dumb hearts get broken Just like China Cup Who's that girl? It's by the Eurythmics Off their 1983 release, Touch And it's also number 492 Out of 500 on the 500 with Josh Adam Myers. And that's me, Josh Adam Myers, the king of fleece, here to take you through the journey of Rolling Stone Magazine's list of the 500 greatest albums of all time over the next 9.61 years. I think we're down to 9.5 now. We got 9.5 left, y'all. Did you pay for your Spotify? Did you pay for your Apple Music? Maybe you've got records. Maybe you got tapes. I hope you got tapes. I I would love it if each and every one of you guys is listening to this on tapes. Because uh, that's some old school shit right there, guys. If you didn't notice, uh, I got my voice back. Yay. Uh, I had a viral infection last week. And uh, my voice was gone. Uh, I thought I lost it when I went to go see Nine Inch Nails. Uh, but I uh, had an infection. Went to the hospital and they were like, can't give you anything. You just got to rest it out. And I did. And I just watched documentaries and listened to these albums. Like you did. Uh, Merry Christmas, everybody. I hope you guys had a wonderful, happy, healthy Christmas. And you're getting geared up for 2019. It's going to be a great year for me. It's going to be a great year for you. I don't know what a rear is, but it's going to be great. We're down to the final episodes, only 491 more to go. But this week's guest is, uh, is honest to God, a angel in the world. First time I met Sal um, was at the Moon Tower Comedy Festival, and he did the jam, and he just crushed it. And he's so much fun and just such a lovely human being. Um, when we taped this episode, we we had to go to his house, and he gave me these. I had to take the Staten Island Ferry to get there, and then he gave me these picture-by-picture picture directions to get to his house. Um, 
He's also uh, one-fourth of the Tenderloins, a.k.a. the Impractical Jokers, uh, a.k.a. the Kings of True TV. And uh, I've spent a lot of time with this dude. Um, I was lucky enough to do the Impractical Jokers cruise uh, in 2017, which was so much fun. Their fans are just party animals, uh, and we had a fucking blast doing that. Also, I got to uh, play Madison Square Garden because of Sal. Quick story. We went to go see the Impractical Jokers uh, play Madison Square Garden, completely sold out. Sypha Sounds is on stage DJing, and he's giving people shouts outs. Shouts outs? He's giving people shout outs uh, that are side stage, like me, Big J Okerson. And he gives me, he goes, Sypha's like, yo, give it up. But Josh Adam Myers and Jeremiah Watkins from the goddamn Comedy Jam. And Sa- I didn't hear it, but Sal did. And Sal goes, hey, buddy, he just gave you a shout-out. And I was like, ah, cool, you know what I mean? And, and then Sal looks at his watch and goes, hey, we've got, uh, we got about 10 minutes left. Why don't you go up there and be funny? And I just start running towards the ramp to walk on stage in front of 16,000 people. And I stop, and I look back at Sal. I'm like, are you serious? And he goes... Yeah, get up there. And then I just go, Jeremiah, let's go. And I run on stage. And Jeremiah, like with a pale white face of nervousness, just follows me up there. And then me, Jeremiah, and Sypha Sounds basically just did what I do at the goddamn Comedy Jam, which is just do a lot of musical crowd work. We started like jumping into the audience and getting them energized. We were like hype men. And it was all because of Sal. And uh, it was such a surreal experience. And, and because of that, I-, I love him so, so, so much. All right. So before we get into the episode, don't forget to listen to the end of the podcast, guys. Every week uh, we listen to the record that we're breaking down. But then I also have new music that is inspired by the album and artists that we're playing. So stick around. We're playing the full songs at the end. And I love these people. My friend Tim has been helping us out. Uh, because people aren't really sending in music yet. We've got it coming up, but Tim has been killing it, and uh, and he's just really finding great music that are unsigned artists. We're very like low-level guys. Um, so stick around to the end of the episode for that. Also, rate, review, and subscribe to the 500, guys. Please, trying to make this big. We need your help. Follow me on uh, all social media at Josh Adam Myers. And if you guys want to email the podcast, you can go and do that at 500podcast at gmail.com. And for all things 500, go to our website, the500podcast.com. There's a lot of cool shit on there, guys. A message board, all the track listings, because every comic and every guest is making you a mixtape. So go and check out the shit we've got on the website the500podcast.com and I think that's it so here we go with number 492 out of 500 with Touch by Eurythmics
Good, good, good. I was trying to sip my tea while you were doing it. I couldn't because I was going to laugh. Did it shock you a little bit? <laughs> you added more sals than I thought you were going to. I thought it was just going to be here comes the sal again, but then I didn't know you were going to use it like the word smurf after that. I was going to, well, it, it's, I always try to, uh, to, to figure out a way to sing your name into uh, the beginning of the podcast, and uh, you got to find the right hit. I'd never know words to songs, so it's it's literally it's perfect for me because I can just sing your name over and over again. So you you sing all your guests in everybody in, dude. Oh, that's interesting. I gotta I gotta show the world my talents, and making up gibberish songs is oh one God. of the things that uh, God blessed me with. That's fun. That's like something my dad always used to do. Like it, that's definitely like a dad trait. Like you know what I mean. Dude, I'm gonna kill it <laughs> as a dad. My dad, you know, my dad used to when he used to watch us be like, them bones, them bones, them dry bones. The head bones connected to the squeedo. I am going. I sing songs <laughs> to my dog. I I am just nonstop singing. That's my life. You're musically inclined. When did you? When did you say? When did you know that you could sing the way that you did? Was it young? Did it come out older? So, all right. So I started singing really young age. I remember like Thriller, you know, uh, Bon Jovi, I remember. But it was, I started to come home when I got home from like middle school or even, man, I want to say elementary school. And I just put on like a heavy metal album that I was into, whether it was Iron Maiden or Guns N' Roses. And I would just sing in the mirror, like all, like literally for hours. But because you can hear that you could sing, right? Not just like any of us did. Because I did that too, but I can't sing. I don't, I don't, you know what? I don't even know when I finally realized that people said to me that I could sing. I just, I just did it regardless yeah. if I thought it was good or not. I just said, this is something I want to do. And I started doing it. And then as I got older, I got into chorus and I got into chamber singers and all state. And then I was in bands Oh, and wow. and I, I mean, it was still one of those things where it was like there was my my confidence level was high as a as a singer slash vocalist, whatever you want to call it. But I still, you know, it wasn't until till probably I started messing around when the jam got created at the Unknown Theater and people were just like, oh, my God, you sound so good. I think my voice really got to this, you know, Tom Waits kind of. <laughs> You know, you've always had a raspy. Or no? I mean, not I yet, mean, yeah, dude. I was like, I was since three, you were a teen, I was three years old. Like, you know, <laughs> hey, Dad, can <laughs> we? <laughs> let's go. Let, can you buy me that new Transformer? <laughs> it's my favorite, Dad. <laughs> well, tell me about you. So, what? Are, what are you know? You're you're born here in Staten Island, right? Yeah. And 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 you know what? What are you listening to as you grow up? I mean, I'm I'm very influenced by heavy metal. I also have my my hip hop period where it was like Snoop Dogg and Public Enemy. Like, how did your musical taste grow over the years? Yeah. So as a kid, um, I had what was available to me from my parents. So we had, you know, I remember long car rides and, you know, and the radio just played like light FM. Yeah. And like kind of like soft rock, what I would call today yacht rock. Oh, it's the which, best. Which back then I was like, oh, you know, okay, but like I grew to it's in my DNA now. Yeah. So like that was like what was, my parents listened to what was on the radio a lot. They weren't like very musically inclined. Mm -hmm. Um, I have all my mom's old records. So when she was younger, she had all the classics. She had Pink Floyd, um, the Beatles, and the Stones, and all that stuff. And I have all those. 
But um, my dad was more like um, Cool in the Gang, George Benson. Oh, yeah. yeah like R&B. Like <laughs> when there's music funk. in the air, lots of love in many ways. So give me the light. The best part of that song is that breakdown where it's like, boom, He's just like, all right, y'all, come on, George Benson. I'm about to tear it up. He's, he, he's amazing. George Benson's amazing. I just want to sing that part. Oh, my God. My dad was a huge George Benson fan, dude. It's so good. Huge. Yeah. Definitely George Benson's like uh, black Bill, music. Bill I was gonna say black music for white people. Yeah. Like George George Benson, if if you are a white congressman, you're like, who's your favorite black artist? <laughs> George Benson. Yeah, a hundred percent. Just two step to that all night at the two wedding. Two step all night. So but, so so, so I going. so I got into that. So like as a kid, so my dad used to have Cool in the Gang. He went to see them in concert. And he used to have Cool in the Gang's concerts on VHS, and he used to play them. And I, when I'm telling you, I'm not exaggerating. He okay. used to play them not only every day, every day at a certain period of my life, but sometimes he'd play them more than like back to back. He'd play a concert. It was called Tonight. I remember it was the, it was the Tonight uh, concert by Cool in the Gang, and he would stand up with a hairbrush. He knew 70 minutes of choreography. He memorized it. No, he didn't. He would stand in our living room, and from the first word to the last word of this VHS tape, he sang every word, did every choreographed move, and even the ad lib. So when like J T Taylor, like yeah, the, like the, the lead singer at the time, he'd be like, he'd go over and talk to someone in the audience. My dad would literally synchronize, like I think the exact words. He put like he put the family members around so he could be like, all right, so you're gonna be here, you're gonna be the guy I talk to right around the third track of the album, and then you stay over there. I want you to cheer, hold this sign up. No, we we, we did that. We no, we we didn't. We, we weren't the audience members, but we were like the, the rest of the band. So we would pick up on the we'd step in and pick up on the choreography. <laughs> Do you have a sister? Do you have a sister? I three. What's, what's one of your sister's names? Dana. They'd be like, Dana, you're missing the box. <laughs> you got to step back, crossover, spin. Yeah. What are you doing? He got old Joe Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> He's like mad. But no, yeah. So so that was like I know like Cool in the Gang's entire catalog. Every yeah. word. I love that. Yeah, so that was... You guys yeah. were like the Cosbys. We were like... But, you know, the good Cosbys. The, the TV show, the Huxtables. Thank, <laughs> thank you, yeah. yeah. You were the Huxtables. We were You're like doing the... the baby! Yes. Oh, I love it, man. Speaking of which, so when I was real, real little, my mom told me, and she'll, she'll tell this story to whoever will listen, but we were driving in the car, and I used to tell her when she was flipping through the stations, I'll go back to that. Yeah. And it was always jazz. So I love jazz, right? So since a little kid. So when I got older, I got heavy into it. And I would go to like in college. I would go to like jazz clubs alone. Nice. I don't. I'm not musically inclined. I don't play instruments. But you just. But it's it's the same thing with me. Is that my dad was jazz my whole life. Yeah. Never wanted to accept it. And then when I turned about twenty, just I couldn't find anything to listen to in my tapes or my CDs. So I put on eighty nine point three in Washington D.C. It's a jazz station. And at that moment, I was like, wow. I get it. Now yeah. I see why my dad likes it. And, and now I'm a jazz fan. I have Miles Davis tattooed in my arm. Oh, I mean, right on. Yeah, dude. right here, dude. Absolutely. It's the first tattoo I ever got. Because Autumn Leaves is one of my favorite jazz songs, and his version of it, I love. He's the best. <laughs> He 
he's the best. So you're, you're listening to jazz, but but when I see you now, it's like there's there's just such a mixture. So how did you change? Yeah, that? so I, I didn't go away to school. I went to school here at St. John's, uh-huh. and I think that a lot of people pick up their musical tastes in college. And people are usually when you go away, people it's a melting pot. People coming from all over, and you kind of get that, ed- that college music education. I went to school to St. John's in Staten Island. Yeah, and it wasn't a com- it was a commuter school, so I didn't really get. The normal. I would go visit my friends in college, and they would listen to everything from, you know, classic rock, which yeah. is what everyone really gets into. It sure. Then, you, know, you start smoking weed. You start smoking pot. Your Pink Floyd poster got some neon black light oh, stuff in your dorm black room. Black light all over when yeah, I used to dude. go visit my friends. That's my, that's my room now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I had a. I think I had a lava lamp. Oh, but everybody! <laughs> everybody at one point in their life has a lava lamp. It breaks after a month, and it's just a glob of so, weird nut in a in a jar. What is that? Oh, it's my. It was supposed to be a lava. Lamp, but it's yeah. I, I know. Like, I like that I just said, which I really did believe what? that I think I have one. But now that you just said that, not only do I know that I have, you one, do. But I, it's it's on the dresser up. It's on the the the, the thing upstairs. It's next there. to the stormtrooper. And it's helmet. my original one. This is this is a little bit of a commentary on my personality. Hit me. Hit me. I mean, I bought a fourteen dollar <laughs> lava lamp in college. I'm forty two years old. It's upstairs. It's fu- fully functional. Are you a hoarder? Is that what yeah. is that what you're saying? You're, you're a, I'm a you're like I'm a memorabilia hoarder. <laughs> I just I have everything from my life. I, I have hoarding tendencies for sure. And there's nothing wrong with. And that. I have to like I literally have attachments and stuff, and I have to w- do like cleanings and get rid of everything, and I feel it in my heart when I get throw stuff away. A hundred percent. Big Jay Okerson. I was with him in Minnesota, and he bought new sweatpants and wanted to throw away his old sweatpants, and I was like, How could you do that? Throw you away. can't. You can't find another use for those sweatpants. Dude. Like. I have like every, paint in them? I have every pair of clothes I've ever owned in my life. Thank you. I'm, I, I'm, I literally, I could open a bin upstairs in my, in my attic upstairs and show you my communion suit. <laughs> I swear to God, dude, it's, it's an issue. So I guess I am a little bit of a hoarder then. You know the blanket they brought me home from in the hospital when I was born? Yeah, check that. It's a napkin over there. Go I, ahead and use it. I have that in my drawer right here. Of I can, course I you can do. procure that for you in 30 seconds. Wow. It says Sal Jr. on it. We're gonna pause the podcast while he goes. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, but yeah. So that's what I like. But so that's that. But then, but then in like then we had this whole. So I was born in '76. I'm 42. I turned yeah. 42 yesterday. Actually. Oh, it, it was a fantastic <laughs> birthday party. Uh, he did the goddamn comedy jam and annihilated. Thank, thank you, you for singing thank, to me too. That was thank, such a sweet surprise. Oh my god! You didn't eat any of the cake that I bought you though. I didn't. It was red velvet. It was delicious. It's I my got favorite. It. It's my. Fa- you don't know what it took for me. It to not eat decadent. it, I get it. You got to eat cake all the time. I'm trying to lose f- sixty pounds here. You know what I mean? So yeah, I guess I, cake's I just have to. The, yeah, cake's not really on the paleo looks so diet. Looks well, you know what? When you lose sixty pounds, I'll buy you another cake. Okay, cool. We'll eat it together, and then yeah. we'll eat it together. <laughs> we'll, I mean, we'll go balls deep in that cake. Just oh, listen, sounds, a diabetic shock. Sounds, sounds amazing. All right, so so take me back. So you're listening to jazz. You're getting all the lava lamps. Yeah, so, yeah. So I so I used to go like my friends didn't didn't really want to go mm-hmm. to like the jazz club. So I would go. Smalls was like five bucks to get in, but if you were gonna jam, it was free. Mm-hmm. So I used to bring spoons with me and told no, them, you didn't. Yeah, I used to tell the guy at the door that I was gonna play go the fuck spoons, <laughs> and they let me. In, so I saved the five bucks, and it was BYOB. So I used to go, and I used to it opened at like it was open through the morning. That was their big thing because they never liquor license. They could sure. stay open. Sure, okay. So I went. One, I remember I went one day and I went alone. I just go and I would sit there. It's a little room. It's still in the same. I, they might have changed locations, but it's downtown Seventh Avenue over there. And then I don't know if you know how much you know, but Max Roach is this like uh, this um, jazz drummer. Yeah, I know. Fame, like, yeah, and he, I literally like he was there jamming one night. Like, and I just got. I just sat there and watched him for like one hour. Oh, that would have been if incredible. Which he was in his elder. He was old. You know what I mean? Like, but it's just like little things like that. But then you know we had that whole. 
golden hip hop era thing in the nineties too that I got to live through and Wu Tang came out of here out of Staten Island. So that was huge. Because they lived here, we used to see them all the time. They, it was like they were really connected to the people of this island. Like, sure, yeah, it's a I mean, point of pride. It's their whole. It's everything is is Staten Island based. Yeah. I mean, I could only imagine how dope that was, especially as a young hip hop fan, and you actually get to see these guys. Yeah, and they like based out of like Stapleton and Park Hill, which is this neighborhood right here. Okay, and I live one at that time. I live literally the neighborhood over like two minutes like it's called rosebank yeah and so the proximity to which they came, it wasn't even like they can't hey they're from brooklyn but like you know i'm from brooklyn too brooklyn's huge they they lived like three i used to deliver pizza to them so it's like <sighs> yeah so it was it that was so that then i got heavy into try got that and, uh hawaiian pizza you love you god <laughs> yeah. hey master killer good to see you buddy old dirty bastard here your garlic knots all right <laughs> <laughs> that's how it was people used to see them in the mall yo how much for this pizza yo <laughs> Rizza, you know, we're giving you this one on the house because the cheese touched the lid. You better get my hugging pizza. <laughs> yeah. That's so dope. Dude, that's, that's what And so I got into, like, heavy into. I was, my big, you know, college, high school was Beastie Boys, Tribe. Yeah. Wu-Tang. Like, all the, all the old school hip-hop. Like, some of the best hip-hop ever. It is the best. And when you hear the hip-hop now, you're like. I don't even. I, I hate to sound like an old person because it's happened, right? History repeats itself. Sure. Like that noise that you're listening to and whatever. Like I don't get. And, I, and I'll admit it, it. It's probably just me, but I don't get the current state of most rock and sure. hip-hop. I it's, just don't get it. It's Here's what, and I, I talk about this a little bit on the podcast. I've mentioned it a few times, is that music goes in ebbs and flows. It's It's like it gets to a point where. You know, when hair, let's look at hair metal. Hair metal came from the disco scene, which was this big flashy thing. And when heavy metal first started, it was small and then it grew and grew and grew. And when it became so big that it, people are like, this is ridiculous, then it drops back down to grunge. And then as that builds up, it becomes Limp Bizkit, gets huge again, and then that gets back to the strokes. Right. And so with hip hop, it's been the same thing. They've never had that bust yet. So it's really now you're at the the precipice where it's like it's too big, it's not fun, it's too electronic. Yeah. There's no soul to it like the music we grew up listening there's to. No, there's no substance. There's, there's no nothing substance. To, to dig your heels into. There's nothing that's that makes it timeless. No, I completely agree with that. So like, what are your? So now you you would say it's a full gambit of well, of everything. Yeah. Right? So here's what happened. There is I I after I left my office job. Um, the goal was to get into comedy, uh-huh. uh, and the way that I was trying to do that was by way of like just having freedom with my schedule. So I started bartending. So I, I left my four or five year office job I had out of college. I have a finance degree, and I started bartending. The goal was to just free up time and start doing comedy on the side. When I became a bartender, which I was for a decade, that's when I really I worked at a neighborhood bar in this area, and it was like a artsy beatnik type of bar. A lot of musicians, a lot of uh, just uh, all artists, and that's when I really, and that's when the iPod first changed my life, dude. (laughs) I could carry around 18,000 songs with me. It was unbelievable. And so I used to make the playlists for every single shift. The eight-hour shift, I took such pride in this shit. I I used to sit here. And make the eight-hour playlist. I, I had a different playlist every time I worked. I worked three nights a week, eight hours a shift. You're a sociopath, dude. <laughs> dude for ten years, I have numbered playlists, like kind of like this, of of the date for ten years of playlists. I mean, I'm not saying I didn't double dip, but I 
did I didn't have to do that, but I felt like it was so important. It sets the vibe and the tone. Like, you were like, you were like, all right, right about that six hour mark in that shift, I drop scenario <laughs> on him. Wake up everybody in the kitchen. We rocking. Then I bring it down with seals and croft. You and then slowly build it back up. But you don't even know how accurate what you're saying. I, is. I know how to make a mixtape, bro. You you you, <laughs> you build. You start strong. Then you then you bring it down. You build slowly. It's got to be. You can't be all uh, on ten the whole time. You got to take no. him on a journey. Take him on a journey. Yeah. I'm so excited to hear the mixtape you make for the show. By the <laughs> yeah. way. So all right. So you make the mixtape at the at the pizza place. Uh, continue at the, at the bar. Yeah. At the bar. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I did deliver pizza for four years too, but yeah. So that so that's when I really dug into it. I started like expanding because the people that hung out there would introduce me, and I prided myself in if I don't have it because because we had a jukebox too. First it was the limited, it was a hundred discs, but then they threw in, which I hated. They threw in the ele- uh, the internet jukebox at one point, yeah, and that was the death of everything because people would play whatever they wanted, and I couldn't cultivate. Like the vi- the bar had a vibe, and people would just come in and play like the shittiest music, and that's driving do. my people yeah. out. So I would disconnect that shit, and that's I just make the whole thing. And I would say, look, you don't have the juke, but I take all requests. And if I don't have your request today, and you ask me for it, the next time you come in here, I will have that song. Nice. And I ne- I I stuck by that for freaking ten. Years. I was known for that. So by the end of it, I, I prided myself on having everything in my iPod already. Anyone would ever ask for, and if they didn't, I got it, and I really did get it. And the next time, it meant so much to those people. So that's when I got into like everything from like, you know, then I got into punk, and then just 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 really expanded like even further into cl- the cl- classic rock catalog and all yeah. that stuff. And and that's when I really picked up on 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 most of my musical. Well, album. I see it when you know. I, I when Sal has done the jam, everybody, he I'm like, what song do you want to do? And he's like, all right, give me a couple of days. And not only do I get a song, <laughs> I get 40 of them from all different parts of the world. It's 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 hip hop. It's a rock song. It's it's adult contemporary <laughs> country. And it, it, so I can see how your musical taste has grown over the years. Um, and what would you say right now, if you had to pick, like, what's your favorite artist right now that you're listening to? can be an old one, but it's still, like, what? what's what's kind of your obsession right now? Oh, God, that's so difficult, though. Like, do you mean, like, current artists? Just what do you, what, if when you get, you have to get on the subway, you have to get in a car, you get on that bus with the uh, Jokers. Leon Bridges. <laughs> You know what? Let's dive in. I feel like we got a good taste. So that brings us to our album, which is number 492 out of 500. It's the Eurythmics 1983 release, Touch. All tracks written by Annie Lennox and David A. Stewart. David A. Stewart produced it. All right, tell me about what did you know or about this record? What did you know about the Eurythmics before I asked you to do this? Like, what was your experience with them? Uh, my experience is probably baseline what everyone else's is. I knew the hits. I, but I knew that they were very influential. I knew I know their stature. Yeah. Um, she's you know she's like a goddess. You know, obviously she's revered and she's, you know, she's a strong, powerful presence in music. Um, but you know, I mean, the iconic uh, "Sweet Dreams." Is, I mean, that's like every. That's one of my my first memories is 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 "Sweet Dreams." 
and uh, the first song, Here Comes the Rain Again, like being in my parents' backseat and just hearing it as like a little kid, like four or five years old, and just, you know, it was like Tears for Fears, your rhythmics, oh the God. stuff that like stuck out when I was a kid. So that was... That was how I got introduced to him. Yeah, you know. So I mean, well, that riff, it, that, that sweet dreams, that beat. It's got to be in the conversation Peter. for one of the most iconic beats of of all, of all time, recognizable anything. So that was you, you. It's almost like undeniable. Tell you the truth. So even if you're a kid, you don't know anything about music. If I had an infant here and I played that song, I bet you they'd kind of almost respond to it because. It just has this like, it, it's kind of like this like this beat that's like almost like an internal. I don't know what it is. No, I, I understand what you're saying. It's so engraved into our psyches yeah. because we've heard it in in movies, at sporting events, at rock concerts. It's been covered. It's it's such a it, iconic song that it's just. It's it, one of those ones that comes on and then everybody everybody's on the same page. Everybody knows the words. Yeah. Everybody wants to dance to it. Yeah. It can be played at a middle school dance. It can be played at you know a fiftieth. A wedding anniversary. It's just one of the... Do you trust me? I used to DJ private parties. Sweet dreams. Found its way into my bar mitzvah playlist. Because you play it. You could do it during the candle lighting service. You'd be like, all right, so we're bringing a Bubby Shalowitz. Boom, boom, bam, boom, bam, 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 bam. And her old ass walks up there, takes forever. Or you could play it at sock hops. And I remember kids going bananas for it. Yeah, and I didn't know... You know, I I thought it might be... Because this is... I thought it might be on this album. I was surprised to see that. It so wasn't. was I. I yeah. was actually a little disappointed when yeah. I was like, I only know one fucking song yeah. off of this yeah. record, and it's the first one. Yeah. So, what are your initial thoughts when you when you when I asked you to do this? When I said start listening to it. First of all, how many times did you listen to the record? Twice. You listened to it twice. Yeah. Did you, you asked for three. I asked for I, three. I, is, I fell short, and I actually feel guilty. No, but then you you immediately said to me. I've done some research though. Yes. And I've I've looked at the Wikipedia, which is what I do a lot too. So yeah. I can't I can't hate on that. But two, do you feel like you were able to absorb the record in those two listens? Yeah, because what I did was I um listened to all the songs and I read along to the lyrics for every song. So that kind of was a little bit that helps. Cuz you can't always discern what what they're saying and yeah. things and things like that. You get the feel of the of the vibe of the music of the song, but you don't necessarily like if you don't know every word which is an issue I've always had my entire, entire life. Like, is it me or most songs, most songs I'd say, are not 100% discernible? I'm at the nail salon. What? I'm at the grocery store. What? I'm at the combination nail salon and grocery store. Wait, she's at the nail salon and the grocery store? I'm at the combination nail salon and grocery store. Groceries through Instacart delivered to my door. I between acrylics and the grocery store. Hey, you. Do you have any plans this year? Ha! How's that going? Do you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 20. 020-D.com, soundtalentmedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app. 
right? What do you mean? Like recognizable? Yeah, and they no, just no, kind like of the, like lyrics. I'm like, what did they just say? Like, what did they just dude, say? Dude, you're talking to a guy who doesn't know the lyrics to songs he sang a hundred times. Right. I I that's just maybe my ADD brain or maybe it's just uh, selective thinking and what I want to remember. But I listen to a song. I hear phonetics like I hear. Oh, so the song he says something. It's like a jibba jabba dooba dee ba doo <laughs> baba dee ba doo. Like that's how I remember it. I don't ever remember lyrics. So it's like I have to go through this, which we're going to talk about later, is I have to go through this record and actually like read the lyrics, find the meanings, right. and do that. So what are your first thoughts when you listen to Touch by Eurythmics? Um, the first thing I thought of was, well, it was of a time that is all in the running for my favorite time for music, for sure, right? And I love new wave music. I just love it. Yeah. Um, and it was very much like synth pop, new wave type of feel. So I was... Really, like, I was like, you know, I can get into this. Because I, I, I've always felt like, you, you know, you hear a song. Like if they could make the song Sweet Dreams, if they could make the song Here Comes the Rain Again, I'm like, I'm interested to see, like, what else they, they've done. Because I, if they're capable of this, yeah, then they've got my respect. So let me just keep with an open mind list and everything else. Yeah. And I was actually surprised because the album deviates, I felt, um, from, from those songs. Like, it... it it's very unique in a way that as I was listening to it, I was like, wow, who are they making this record for? Exactly. It's a that's a great point because there's like there's really only one hit off of this record that I knew about. And then the album just takes a turn. It takes a turn. And I could maybe maybe loft two other songs that might have been radio play friendly. But like I was like, it's odd because this is this is after, is it not after Sweet Dreams? This is after Sweet, Sweet Dreams. Sweet Dreams kicked them off. Yes. And so it 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 I think they are in the truest sense of the word artists because I think that it was about getting out what they needed to get out. Like just just exploring creatively and not going by, you know, just general consensus or not making a record specifically for and I'm, I'm this is what i feel i have no idea what they but i didn't it didn't sound like they were going for the radio or for more hits or to even like you know maybe the first ones to get people in but then i when i read up on them too it was just like no they were able to open their own studio yeah and then they i think it was because of like just well, Sweet Dreams definitely gave them the opportunity to take more time on the record you know you have right. a song that excuse me you have a song that is so big, it was a number one hit, and then it's like, you know, your record label eventually is then like, okay, we see where you're going, here is some money, David, please, you know, make us a good record, and him and Annie got together, and they, and this is their, like, chance to really spend time. Like, when I talked about Outcast Equemini, after they did AT Aliens, they were, they had all the, they, the, the, the studio was like, just, just make something brilliant. And that's what you want. That's what you want. Like you don't you don't tell Scorsese, "Hey man, we need this movie in 3 months." We're just like, "We see where you're going. We know how good you are. Please take your time and make something dope." I, I it's it's I still that's that's is that that's rare though, is it not? Is it more is it less rare in the music industry? Um I think well, I think they from I listen, I might be speaking out of my ass. I'm assuming they get uh they get a record deal, they give them a, an advance and they say make us our money back. Right. And I think when you have a hit as big in the 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 way that the arrhythmics took off because it wasn't just about music with them it was about annie you know which we're going to talk about later uh, in the facts which is 
Annie, like when I think of the Eurythmics, I think of, uh, uh, like, I hate to say this, but like a man woman. Like she was very androgynous and, and took a very strong stance in her videos where she was doing S&M type things. Right. So she's pushing the boundaries of the 1980s because think, keep this in mind, you know, homosexuality is still like pushed to the side. The sure. whole dance world is what people know is just like the 70s disco, which is all like, oh, this is so beautiful. We're having a good time. We're right. dancing. We're wearing white flowing dresses. It's Saturday night fever and then you have basically a female david bowie that's right she is a great way to yeah it's like she comes out and i mean my first memory is that short-haired like she has the the zool haircut from ghostbusters that like fire orange yeah and she and she's wearing a like a business suit and she's like holding the thing and and like it's just intensely singing she's got a powerful voice i mean it's i think when you have someone that's doing that that you can say okay this person here like bowie is going to push this genre forward so i mean she encapsulates she that, that whole genre like she, she did that she's 100%. a poster, poster child for the genre oh uh, a million percent that she's yeah. a poster child. I mean, I, I, you, you tell me like who is still around from that era. You know, I mean, if you want to put Duran Duran in there, I sure. can see that because they're still touring. But Annie Lennox is like one of the most respected uh, singers of all time. Um, actually, I'll pull this fact up now because I thought this was so interesting. Uh, she currently holds the most Brit awards won by a female artist is the most successful female artist in British music history. She's also, and this is, I I don't know who made this poll that I'm about to say, but she's also voted the greatest white soul singer of all time (laughs) by VH1. I just love that. They were like, all right, we, we got, we just did a hundred greatest soul singers all black. We got to make a separate one. We, we have no idea what to do. Make a white category. White people need to win something. Sometimes they keep getting beaten down. So that is hysterical. She's a white soul singer. I mean, they even Rolling Stone magazine made her one of the hundred greatest singers of all time. You know, and like I said, I think the appeal uh, to Annie is not just her voice; it's just the whole image. You 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 figure, Eurythmics came out Sal at a time that MTV was about to was just blowing up. Sure. So it's not about the music anymore. Right. Now it's about how do you look? Do you do I want to be you? Can I can I see myself being you? Can I see you? You know, it's just like can I see myself in you? It's like that's what it really propelled to. And I think Annie uh, was just, you know, I think another singer sings Sweet Dreams, doesn't do that video. It's a big song. I don't even think it's remotely as big yeah. as it was. So let me ask you this. What song stuck out for you on this record? Regrets is the first one. It's the second song after Here Comes the Rain. Yes. Right? And I heard it and I was like, oh, this is like kitschy and, and poppy. Um, but I don't think it'd be on the radio. Regret but, is, you know what's funny about Regret? Regret, all the fake songs that I make up when I'm singing to Avery and Jeremiah, it's it's just like Regret. It's always like, well, I'm going to come on down and boogily doogily do bach out bad out. It's dog out. Um, it was one of those things where I listened to it and I'm like, okay. And I, I was reading along with the lyrics. I, I didn't necessarily, I didn't necessarily get all of them. I found that later on, the song stuck in my head. Yes. And that was one of the ones that stuck in my head more than any other one. And I just think it's because, you know, the way she sings it. But I, it's it's memorable. Yes. You know? Um, very, very catchy. 
It is. And then there was this one where I was like, oh, wow. And I think this was a thing that people were doing back then. But there's this, like, Calypso-y reggae. That's, that's, the, that's the third song right on the side. record, Right By Your Side. My least favorite song on the record. One of the hits off of this. Uh, it was one of the three hits off the record. And I was like, this, I felt it was, like, eh, a failed attempt. But I'm looking at it from now. Yeah. But I think coming out then, I think it was a bold choice. It's It's the only... It's the only song on the album like it. That's upbeat and like almost positive. Yeah, uh, th- that that too. Not only just the genre of it, but yeah, the mess like the message of it. It was just like this kind of feel good song in the middle of an album that, by the way, was pretty dark. Very dark. It's it's ridiculous, and I guess it's, I wonder if that was like they were conforming. Like, all right, let's get one other single out there. A poppy, catchy kind of thing that people will could take be. To. Yeah, I could see that the the studio being like, "Can you put something upbeat?" But it's I think it's also too complicated to be that kind of thing. Like upbeat can be so much easier when right. you have bells because there's bells, whistles, things like that. Like bah, 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 those little fake claps. Yeah, and uh, it, it's just it doesn't fit on the record. Like I I wanted to be, this to continue to be sad. I right. like I saw. And I, you know, and I'll ask you the same question: Is like the influences that you know that this album influenced? I saw like Nine Inch Nails, like really dark, mm-hmm. like has like a very, I don't want to call it like sextro, like electronic sex music, but kind of. It, it's got this very sensual feel to it, and then you have that song right by your side with lyrics that literally sound like it's written by a kid in middle school writing a love note. Yeah. Here you go. Sample lyric. Every single one of us needs love, love, love. Everybody needs to give and receive love. Every single day can drag us down, down, down. But there's nothing left to fear when love gets into town. I mean, who the fuck says that love gets into town? I don't know. I, so I read that. and I, I mean, I listened to that, and I was like, okay. So if you take the first three songs, it's like, all right, where are we going with this? Uh-huh. And then it takes it. It just goes really, really emo. Like Very. it really goes. And I think it's just about like there's one on here that like the girl, I think, or the guy was being cheated on. Who's, who's that? that who's that girl? Which is my favorite song on the record. Yeah. And it that is. was sad, man. Oh, how could you not like <laughs> that song? Here, play, uh, Peter, play a little bit of Who's That Girl for me real quick. Synthy stuff in the beginning that's very like indicative and reminiscent of like the eighties. It just it really it's it's just like this very d- deliberate. Um, just I mean it's dark. It's dark tonally. Yeah. It, it's I can't figure out if it's if it's about seeing a past lover with someone else or the lover that you're with is cheating on you, uh, or you're just watching a past lover. You know, and and it's 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 dark, man. It was definitely one of my favorite songs on the record. Here's what I thought when I listened to this. Yeah, it's like okay, I'm listening to it right now for the for the sake of this, and I'm appreciating it. 
But when, like, when, when is the normal person listening to this song from front to back? It just is like it's not like it's not a social song. Who's you, that girl? Yeah, or, I mean, no, are you it's just throwing not. on throwing it on in the cans when you're on like a flight or whatever. Like you know, like I don't know. Like when are you like like it? it like I, who's I, so who's I, like, oh, play so you're, this. So you're, well, that's the thing. Are I don't you're think, crying or something? Yes, I don't, I don't think this is a song that you're putting on at a party. No. I don't think this album, really, anything besides maybe the opening track, uh, Here Comes the Rain, is actually party material. Uh, maybe right he, by your side. But here Comes the Rain. Not I party. think there's a mood for this record. Yeah. I think that, I mean, you're coming, this is coming from a guy who's like, I go to a therapist, a spiritual healer, I read self help books. I'm just trying to figure out any way just to feel normal and be present. I have those moods where I want to listen to Massive Attack and Portishead and I want to feel. You know, because that's the mood that I'm. I, I mean, this had to have sp- spoken to a lot of people if it became that popular. Yeah. I mean, even the hits. I mean, the whole record sold. You know, it went platinum. Yeah. Um. So I think there's there's definitely a mood that 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 some people would have to be in. This isn't a a happy mood. This isn't a family no. reunion album. And I, and I get that too because I I've done it in my day. It was more like when I was younger. Like I used to, you know, I, you know, I'm home. You lock yourself in your room. You're a kid, and you're just like trying to listen to music, find music, find your feelings, yeah. and your relationships. And sure. Shit. So I've like laid there and you know lit my incense, turned on my my uh, <laughs> my, well, my lava lamp, and just sat there and listened to shit and got in my feelings. But like nowadays, I don't I don't dig in. I don't double down with those emotions. Like so, if I'm feeling like like. Like if I'm feeling a certain way, I won't like. Let me get a good cry out and put this song on. Sure. Just, like, I kind of don't. I don't do that anymore. Or at least like it's not my first instinct to do it. So when I listened to this, I was like, I can't imagine when. Even though I appreciate the song, when I'd actually put this on and listen to it from front to back, this particular song. But I. But I get it. Okay. But you get it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, I mean, I agree. Um, but thinking about that, I mean, they did give you some of the hits that were more radio friendly that I think stay out of that. So let's let's go through some of the tracks, man. Yeah. Uh, opening with Here Comes the Rain Again, which is just one of the catchiest songs. Peter, play the song for me. Here comes the rain again. That's the lyrics, right? I'll tell you about this song. Go ahead. Which I knew a decent amount of the lyrics, and I thought I knew what it meant. But upon further review, please, I think I realized that the rain is her crying. I think that's a hundred percent right. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if that was completely obvious. I, I just, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I just thought it was like you know, like rain just meant emotion and gloom and you know, just like just feelings. But I, I didn't think it was like. But it is. I think it could be taken as literal, like. Tears. Well, then, I mean, I completely agree with that. But then she says something along the lines of want to dive into your ocean. You know, is right. does that sound healthy? Have you ever dove into somebody's ocean? I would say that I have. Has anybody dove into your ocean? I would say that the same people have. The same people have do- divin. Yeah. Oh no, there's been some disconnects. I've div- I've I've dove into oceans. <laughs> is divin even? A- I just want to <laughs> say divin. Have you divin? I've divin into an ocean. A hundred percent. Yeah, no, I have, and uh, it could be dangerous. It could be dangerous out there. High tide. High, high tide. Um, then going in from that opening song, which is so iconic, into Regret, which, like I said, it sounds like every song I've ever made up or most people make up when they're doing Instagram videos. Um, 
the the lyrics are great. I've got a delicate mind. I've got a dangerous nature. And when my fist collides with my furni- with your furniture. So let me ask you a question, just judging by that lyric. Is this a song about putting together Ikea furniture? <laughs> and just yeah. being so pissed off. You're like, I can't put together this Schlorgen, honey. I don't know how to do did you, I lost the little tool. You know, I'm just gonna put my fist through it. Let is, me is it the worst where you're like forty minutes in and you realize that four steps ago you did something backwards? That's you always me. do it all. All of it. Yeah. And then you're like looking at the instructions and you're just like, Why don't they just give you regular nuts and bolts and tools? So let me ask you, judging by this, the song Regret, that's the title. Um, in your 41 years? Two. 42 years of being alive, what would you say is one of your biggest regrets? Oh, my God. Is that too heavy? No, it, no, no. Just but, weren't expecting that. No, I Oh, wasn't. I dig deep, baby. I got some good <laughs> questions coming up from this album I bet you weren't expecting. Oh, this is great. Um, is there, tell me something that you, that you regret. I, um, hmm. Well, I really, 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 really do regret not getting into comedy right out of high school and college. Right, yeah. Right I did. I did like improv and sketch with the guys, but as far as like stand up and that stuff, like I've, I always, I knew then I wanted to do it. Yeah. And I, and I did it a little bit, and it, I just didn't, I just didn't buckle down and make it my life, and I, I waited till really late in life. And I'm really happy to be here now. I'm really happy I did it now. But I always think about what it would be like if I was if I was doing if you had started when stand up proper like 20 years ago. I mean, listen, I'm the same way because I've been wanting to be a comic since I was six. Mm. And then I remember when I was 18, I was like, this is it. I'm going to do it. Me and my buddy went down to go get a city paper in Washington, D.C. to go find an open mic at a record store, the Tower Records that was on Montrose road or mantras boulevard where that fucking road was called and i remember we got there and then instead of finding the newspaper that we to find the open mic we just looked at cds and then i never (laughs) i didn't have the guts to even try to do it again until i was like 26 so i I think it's definitely a a regret and i get it but i think you you honestly probably started it when you were supposed to do you know what i mean such a great way of looking at it i never ever even thought of it that way really no i I didn't dude it's it's one of those things it's even like you coming in contact with this record it's like maybe you know if you would have listened to it a while ago you wouldn't have been able to to feel it as much Mm. but that now that you're 42 and you've been through stuff and you know or even the idea that you said you you could listen to this record and you know i don't want to get depressed now you can listen to and go okay it's uh, this doesn't bring me down. It's just sometimes it just takes time to find yeah. that thing just to move you forward. Like I wanted to start stand up when I was, you know, 14. But what would I have had to talk about? Right. You needed to start when you were there. So so you're saying starting stand up was probably one of your bigger. It's one of the things I always think about. And, and you I know, it's like... funny. Everybody regrets that you started stand up because you're go- no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's our biggest regret. God damn it. He started stand-up late. <laughs> yeah, that, that's one of them, um, and that's a prevalent one that I think about a lot. Um, I, don't, I mean, I'm so thankful and lucky, but I, am, I love it so much that I just wish that I dedicated my, you know, my, my life to it back when. No, I get it completely. Yeah. Going from that into Right By Your Side, which was the Calypso song we were talking about earlier. That's the right by there was there was a bunch of I, I think this was following either they said it or was following trend of the time they maybe they said it 
because there were a few songs like this that were one-offs from artists back then that I it kind of jogged my memory with. What do you mean? Like there was there there were these there were so, there were a handful of songs like this at this time. Mm-hmm. Like this this whatever you want to call it calypso or whatever the hell you Yeah, want. it's it's like that's the perfect way to say it. It's a calypso based song. You know, it's it's very 80s. Like I don't think it ages well. Yeah. It definitely Didn't, uh, doesn't age it? well. When it feels like the world is even Zeppelin didn't they do like uh what's that one they did was it Misty Mountain no what's that one they did that was like kind of like a, a reggae record Tangerine not Tangerine um oh yeah oh 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 oh, 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 oh. you don't you have, don't have what is to that? go Misty I have no Mountain idea. Hop? Is that Misty I don't Mountain? I don't think that's I don't know the name of it I thought okay. it was um like tangerine or some shit like that. But I know people, fans are gonna like. There's some guy right now in his car, like it's fucking this song, yeah, you yeah, idiots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just don't know it. We're sorry, but no, yeah, but it was like that, and there was even like I don't know, there was just a bunch like that, and that kind of jogged, and they were all like the same kind of like cheesy kind of, you know what I mean? But it yeah. was, but it was, it was popular back then, you know what I mean? So I, I, I got this one. I, you know, I was surprised, but. I think people were expe- like it was like it's like when Debbie Harry did uh when she like kind of started doing like you know she was she's credited for what like bring like one of the people that brought like just the idea of rhyming or or like yeah like, it's to, to, for to the mainstream sure yeah because she did that verse in uh whatever it was whatever song she had back then what was it um there's uh da, da. Na, na, na. <laughs> But she can't really. It's like horrible hip hop. No, like, no, no. I would, like, no, I Teddy, when I said it, and I go down, I'm getting heady and a buddy. I give her. I I don't even call it hip hop. And run I run to <laughs> the Buffalo store. She <laughs> says some it. weird shit yeah, like that. that. Yeah, yeah. She just basically talked in rhyme. But I. But you do. But they do say that like. Yeah. That opened up so many people's like, wait, what is that that she's doing? You know what I mean? See, and it kind of one white person does some shit. All these, right? these black people get no credit. It's, it's like it's Debbie Harry. I know, I know. Debbie Harry's the one that did it. She's the the, the, the godmother of hip hop. This black guy was like, I don't understand <laughs> this shit. I've been rhyming for years. What I loved about that song right by your side, though, is it, like I said earlier, I felt like it was written by like a middle school kid about like writing a love note to someone. But I when, when it's saying about how how love is so powerful and 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 it's almost almost one of those things where it's like, is this a healthy form of love? And I'm wondering if 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 you can recount a situation when you were just too in love with someone. I mean, it could just be a crush. It could be a long time ago. It could be now. Yeah, I had. I've only. I think I've only been in love in my life three times. Yeah, um, and, and those were three long-term relationships that I had. Okay. Um, and uh, I, 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 my first girlfriend. I think I was like, I started dating her at fifteen. I think we dated till like twenty-one, mm-hmm. and that was like a f- first love, and like so, that was like a tough one because it was like you know you're still a kid and. That's significant. Fifteen to twenty-one, you date it's, six years. You're dating half your life. It hurts so bad when you're young yeah. because you realize you don't even know what you're gonna do. You're like, I don't think I can live without this. But that's true. It was a huge learning experience because that was that first one where it's like, how do I? How am I gonna live? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. You get that out of the way, you get a, a you know a tougher exterior. Yeah. But I remember being like really messed up over that one. Um, you know, and I, I, it was just when I was like in, in college and getting out and just starting my like full time workforce thing. There's a lot going on, a lot of new things, and it was just like, you know, 
your world gets rocked. It's kind of all you knew. You know, I'm dating someone from 15 to 20 something. And then it's like, wow, this is going to be this is going to be really rough. Um, but, you know, we all we all go through it like and, you know, so th- that was my that was a typical one where I was like, I learned from that because it was like, I don't know, you just kind of learn how to be in a relationship. You learn how to hold yourself better. You learn how to avoid certain things that have, you don't want to get hurt like that again. Completely. Uh, you know, a lot of it is that you're immature and that you're young and, you know, it's the first time it's happening. You just don't know. Yeah. You don't know. It's like anything it's, else. It's like you, how could, like that's it's like kids in, in high school being like somebody's picking on them and they're like, oh, my God, my world is over. It's like because you just don't know that as soon as you get out of high school, you got your whole life ahead of you. It's like you just think that that relationship is so heavy and it's it's she's she's the one yeah because that's the first time i had those feelings little do you know there's going to be a couple other ones yeah and then there's the one yes so you know it's funny did you were you, were you and i just just talking in uh, unless i'm crazy and you were saying that you cry easily i cry all the time oh yeah so i cry like every day so i cry too i have something for you before we leave okay box of I, tissue <laughs> no I, I literally i have something to give you oh i'd Re- love that remind me 100 percent. it's gonna be great Okay. Okay. I mean, I'll give it to you on air. And then, and then what I'll do is, what I can do is, I'll, if he doesn't give it to me on air, everybody, I'll when I do the wrap up for this later, I'll tell everybody what it was. You want? You want? I can. Yeah. Get hey, it. Do you want to pa- do it? Pa- and I want to pa- go to the bathroom. Pause this. Go there. I'll give it to you right now. We're gonna keep it recording. Right. I'm gonna go to the And uh, Peter played a little bit of our next song, Cool Blue, uh, while we were taking that little break, which I love. But here, let's get to, uh, what do you have for me? You're talking to the mic. This is something I bought. Um, <laughs> I bought it for, like, myself, but then I never u- used it. But then um, I would, like, it would also make a good gift to someone who is like me. So this is a patch. Frequent. <laughs> Frequent crier program, lifetime membership. <laughs> it's a, a, like a jean jacket it's a, patch. It's a jean jacket patch. It's a eagle with uh, that is crying. Literally has a tear, like it's a little Wayne like teardrop tattoo, but it's an actual tear. I love this so much. Uh, I am gonna put this on my jean jacket, a hundred percent, because I, I love this. Yeah, I mean, I feel and this is, and this, you know, what's good about this, Sal, is that brings us into the next song. I'm not a depressed person anymore. You know, now it's like I'm able to handle it. Um, but I like being moved, mm-hmm. and I love the I, when I cry. It's the most human I could possibly feel. It just makes me feel like that I'm not a monster. It's like that I have those emotions when I watched. 
you know, a star is born. I was I was weeping from the beginning yeah. when she's singing the La Vienne Rose because it's just the most beautiful thing. And that's like we were saying earlier, why I do this is because I want to be moved. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's a really special thing. And when something affects you, I, I cry, I'll cry at a commercial. I cry so easily. I cry if I see something like, you know what I mean? I, I, I even if it's I'm not saying I bowl, but. I have tears flowing down my face constantly. Yeah. So I don't like sit down. I won't sit down, turn this on, and induce the cry, but because the cries come already. God, I but love that. I w- what I was, I think, what we were saying was, I was getting into. Um, we were talking about crying. I was gonna get, tell you an example of uh, <laughs> the first breakup I had. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so I cry at tons of music. It's very easy, and I have like a list of songs that like will automatically make me cry. Yeah, like there's three or four songs. If you play them, what are they? I will cry immediately. Hit me. Some are not conventional. Hit me them. Hit me. Like I literally cry every single time. You're like, um, (laughs) you're like Wu Tang, uh, the mystery of the shadow (laughs) boxing. No, do you want it? Please, I I best. One of them is a Wu Tang song, which is a Ghostface song. um, All that I got uh, is you. uh, The one with Mary J. Blige. Yeah. Yeah. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast. A songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of the Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, And I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday. Hey, this is Chris Santos, host of Delirious Nomads, the Blacklight Media Podcast part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Delirious Nomads is a podcast about all things heavy metal, as well as breakdowns of your favorite combat sports. And me being a chef and all, we'll be riffing on some food talk every week with very special guests from across the globe. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. I, first time I ever heard that song. Play that, Peter. Play that in the background while we're talking. I immediately started crying. It struck a chord with me, man. I like it was just something. There was a couple lines in there that he said that reminded me of when I was growing up. Yeah, and I cried. I was like, okay, so that's that. Oh, it's but beautiful. Then I have these other songs I always cry at. So there's one song that I that always gets me. It's James Ingram's "Just Once." Just once. <laughs> yes. Can we live the yeah, dude. Is that am I right? Is that's that it? it. That's it. Okay. The lyrics are so sad, but it's about like this. Like, it's just about this guy. He's dying to just make things right in this relationship. Just just one time before yeah. they lose everything, and that was one of those songs that in the George Benson vein. Yeah, James Ingram is very that. That I that my dad listened to growing up, so I knew it well. Uh-huh. And then when I finally fir- felt those feelings with my first girlfriend, I processed that song will make me cry all the time because my first uh, relationship was like six years long, but we it was like on and off, and it mm-hmm. was bad. Like I got cheated on and stuff like that. So like I remember when we were finally like breaking up and everything, I would listen to that song and cry. And then so one time, 
We thought we were gonna like you know our families were close. It was like a thing. Yeah, it was like this. You were already planning your future. We, kids. Were ta- we yeah. talked about all that. Kids, sure. kids, you know, so our families were close and everything. And I remember one time until the very end, and I think I've t- I may have told the story before. I don't know, but I uh, I was listening to it on my disc man, and I I went to her her house and I was like crying, and she came out to talk to me, and I was like, "Can you just listen?" Just listen to the song, like it's all you know. Whatever. Like, yeah. It's such a funny thing. It's such an '80s teen movie. And you thing. put it on. No, no, she wouldn't listen to it. What a bitch! No, she was no. We were kids. I'm sorry. No, 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 she's probably a bitch. But we were kids. No. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> just, we were kids. You're such a nice guy. You can't even. You can't even say it. You're like, no, she's not a bitch. She might be. Now I have no idea. But no, she was. We, we were 21. I, I know. But, but I'm like crying. I'm like, can you just listen to this? I was like, probably about puffy eyes and everything. And I, to her credit, though, she's like, I, I won't listen to that. She's like, I'm sorry. I just don't like you this way anymore. After like six years, I, when she's, it stuck with me. And I was like, oh, man. And I remember just crying so much back then. I cried myself out. Yeah. But that's all, I don't think of that relationship or anything like that. Like, that's all. But the song carries weight now. But the, and s- it, the song was always did that to me. But yeah. it's just like it's one of those ones. It's, uh, my friends all make fun of me because my friends all know. And like sometimes they'll just start singing it. You know. Oh yeah, dude, <laughs> it's coming, bro. In this friendship between you and I, I'm breaking that shit out all the time. In special occasions when I know we can we can all have a good laugh and you all you have yeah. a good cry. But we'll get back into this. But uh, the, the 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 opening line is I gave my all, but I guess my all wasn't good enough. <sighs> and that just is it just resonates through so much. Not even relationships. No, I get it. Yeah. Oh man. But anyway. So well, that goes into Cool Blue. Uh, which is a does song. It? You're it's amazing. A, it's a, no, it does because it's a song about depression. <laughs> right on. Uh, when I got the lyrics, how can I forget you? I'm never going to give you up. How can I forget you, baby? I'm never going to give you up. And my question is, because it's a tonal shift coming off of right by your side. So being that we were talking about depression being sad, and you are a very positive per- person, how do you effectively bring balance and maintenance of joy throughout your entire life? Like, what are the things that you do to keep yourself in a positive uh, state of mind? Uh, you know, it's a really, really good question. And I just, I try to take inventory as much as I can. But you know what I noticed, and I noticed this recently, and I, and I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if I'm so, so busy sometimes that, like, I don't take the time to just have moments, yeah, and it's just on to the next, on to the next, work, 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 cross things off the list, cross things off the list, and sometimes that shit, like, it just stockpiles, and I think what I'm left feeling sometimes is, like, I'll wake up, there's no reason at all for me to not be in a happy mood, but for some reason, I'm in no mood, like, I'm in, yeah. I, 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 it's like... I was like, I almost like am vo- sometimes void of of emotion. Yeah, not, not saying emotion in the sense of like sad, but like any like just like I'm just like why like I like things are s- are great. Like why am I not like chipper? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I just like and I'm just like what I find. I mean, the things that like help bring me back are just I spend a lot of time with my family. I was gonna say that I, I have a feeling it's it's like what keeps you in a positive. If I'm with my family, I light up. If I'm with my nieces and nephews or my parents, I'm very close with my family. Yeah, I've seen that. Sisters, family. I, I, we just, like, if I could be around them, like, all the time, you know, I would. But And then also, like, I and I was talking about this yesterday. Would you, we're, we're so fortunate. I've surrounded myself with the most wonderful people. I don't know how it happened, but I was just consistent with who I keep time with, I guess. And it just compounds. And I just, I, I'm surrounded by just a wall of loving, supporting, talented people. 
and that always makes me feel so good and so secure. I'm, I'm, I, I, I always know. I'm always very aware of, of, the support base I have around me and how genuine people are. And you know, we're in this business where, like, you know, we're artists and we're like, you know, we see each other, but we're performing. We're all working toward like a common goal and all this stuff. And I'm constantly inspired. Like, I don't know if the average person that goes to work in an office or what have you, anything, is necessarily inspired by the people they have to work with but like what we do i'm constantly inspired by all of our friends all the time and i'm just i I, it's such a a good thing i mean don't get me wrong there's so many things in stand-up that are like you know depressing too yeah you know the road sucks and bombing sucks and scratching clawing and trying to hustle and do do this or that like the grind of it you got to love it but it also sucks and all that stuff and your insecurities and you know, and this, this and that. And some people aren't supportive. Some people are cutthroat, and some people always have stuff to say. But you, you know, I'm old enough now to just kind of like I don't even participate in that. Yeah. And I think like that experience to know to be like, no, 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 I'm not even, I'm not even dipping my foot in that pool. Uh, I think that kind of like uh, that permeates when you have that kind of when you're making those choices on a daily basis. Like this is who I'm going to be around. This is who you know. This is what I'm avoiding. That helps overall, I think, balance things. It's sure. just kind of a way of, of thinking, you know, it's just a way of making decisions and approaching everything. But well, you look at your life. This, I told you I did this reason I did a joke about it. I, I when I was depressed and I was in the in the shit after Ange died and for six years, uh, I, I literally just kept all this negative stuff around me. Just and I didn't even realize that I was doing it. Just little things. It could be some certain people I was hanging out with, mm-hmm. or you know, that were old friends that I just were friends still because I've known them for years. But then there was a lot of moments like I was like, dude, I, why am I listening to? Why am I watching CNN every day? It, all it's doing is just killing me, yeah. and it's it's creating my mood. So I think for someone like you, the the reason there's so many great people around you is and I not to kiss your ass, but and I say it all the time, and people say this to you all the time. You're a great person. Oh, you have so such good nice energy. That's why I see you being like listening to this record and being like, yeah, this isn't my mood. Hold on, <laughs> let me put my song on. <laughs> Just once, can we live the <laughs> I love that you don't know the words. <laughs> and then you're crying, you're like, <laughs> what's up, Mer? Uh, I'm sorry, I'm just listening to my song. <laughs> no, but it's, but it, 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 it's, it's definitely self-care, being around good people. You know, you come from a great family. I met a lot of them on the cruise. They're fantastic. Just and it's also I think it's it's just your culture too. Growing up in New York, there's a there's a really this is a town that's built on, you know, if 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 uh if you're he's a good guy, he's a stand-up guy, yeah. um, that's my, that's my boy. Right. If that that person's a piece of shit, they're out of here. Right. You know what right. I mean? Right. And I love that it's about it's very cut and dry. Um moving right along. Who's that girl? My favorite song on the record. There's one other one that I love, maybe as much as this. Uh, this is the one that stuck out for me. One of my faves uh, in the video. It's depicting Lennox as uh, both a blonde Chant. I can't even say this word. Chanteuse. God, I have no idea. Do you know how to say this? Chant. <laughs> Chante. Chanteuse. And a gender bending Elvis Presley clone. And just play that chorus, Peter. Who's that girl? Look up Chanteuse. Let's find out what that is. Such a good song. So my question is, when you're listening to that, is is this a... female singer of popular songs. (laughs) That's what the fuck she is, yeah. Especially in a nightclub. 
Is this, is this a song about infidelity or the protagonist stalking an ex? That's that's the big question that that I can't figure out about this. I'd like to to take the the interpretation that she's the ex lover looking at a guy, kind of and being like, "Who the fuck is that bitch?" Yeah. Have you ever uh, have you ever like cyber not cyber stalked, but you know. After you've gone through a breakup, was there ever a moment that you've, you know, now it's just so bad because you can check on every person because oh of social goodness. media. Yeah. Um, ba- back with my first, there was, I didn't even have a computer. So that's true. So uh, there was more of, but I did, it was more like drive by the house, see if the window was oh. on. Because what happened was um, <coughs> I delivered pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I, del- I delivered pizza and it was like three blocks from her, yeah. her house. It was, and we lived in the same neighborhood. Yeah, okay. So my job was to drive around the neighborhood. So like, if I was delivering a pizza like a block over, I'd I'd go by and like just see what was going on. I mean, I'm talking about I was 18, you know, 16. But uh, but no, I don't. I, you got it. Dangerous. It's very dangerous. Dangerous to st- cyber because you can. There's so much access. Do you want to know? I don't want to know. You know, I don't. I but, know, but, but you want to know. But it's crazy that you know if you, you t- know. push this button, you'll know. It's it's almost like it, it's crazy if you think about it. If you break it down in those terms, like you don't want to know anything about it. But if you open up, if you just open your laptop and hit one button, you can you can investigate. Yeah, it's like it's the idea. They're like, so hey, uh, I know you broke up with uh, Tina a couple years ago. You ever hear from? Her? You're like, nah, man, I don't hear from you. I don't hear from her at all. But I do know that she just started going to ITT Tech right now. I have no idea. I just go on her <laughs> Facebook page. I can see everything about her life. She's dating a new guy. It's horrible. It's, so I think it's 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 too easy to I've stalk never, somebody now. Yeah, I've never. I don't put a single bit of information about myself on social media, private or otherwise. Like even before I was in the public eye. Yeah. Even just like when you have Facebook with just your friends and stuff like that. Yeah. I never put up like my relationship. No, nothing like that ever. I was forced to do it in a relationship never. once. But it was, I never have, was, I never will. She was big on, on making sure that people knew we were dating. All right, moving along to the next song. <laughs> yeah, I probably talked about her already on, on this podcast so far. The first cut, very 80s song to me. Um, let's take a listen to that real quick. That that doesn't sound uh, like uh, early music from a Nintendo game. This is the first one that kicked in. And I was like, oh, I know exactly what this is. This is Devo. This is like a little bit like Talking Heads. Craftwork. Yeah, I heard Craftwork. Yeah. Yes, definitely. They're wearing their influences influences on their sleeve right now. The funniest thing about this song, though, is her first lyric goes, "I'm a white girl. You can see my skin." Uh, I just have no idea why she would start off by saying that. Um, I that took me as odd too. It I def- was like, "Wow, what is like? What exactly?" Well, then if you read the rest of the lyrics, because me and uh, me and uh, David, the guy that I kind of go through these with, um, big black beautiful David, everybody say what's up to him. Um, I'm a white girl. You can see my skin. Look at this picture that I'm living in, and and old scores never settle down. I'll keep on walking. Till I'm buried in the cold ground, cold ground, cold, cold ground. Is this basically how white women uh, view themselves? You know, uh, I mean, this is such a weird 
question, but it's just you well, know, what is she trying to say when she states that I'm a white girl? I, I don't know, but she's but it's it's literally you know I, I feel like there's a little bit of dude. Honestly, I have no fucking idea. Like I'm, I'm this is one of those songs where I'm like, how can you pull something out of this? Well, let me ask you this too, because some of these were a little uh, like esoteric like. Is this because it's poppy and it's upbeat? But is this about drug use? There's that's the funny thing because there's the next couple songs I think definitely have like and and we can just clump these songs into so it goes from the first cut into Aqua, which is another one like Don't touch me, don't talk to me about it. So now these are all take me to your quiet place, throw me in the water, watch the bubbles surface up as I'm slowly sinking under. Under, and then you go. So, so, so that. So we've got the first cut, Aqua, and then my second favorite song on the record, No Fear, No Hate, No Pain. Uh, it's just so sick. And when you read the lyrics for that one, it's a hundred percent about heroin. Uh, you've got your killing gun held in your hand. It feels like cold, cold steel. And when the sun comes up, it's like a new commotion. You say, shoot, shoot, shoot it up, shoot it up. I, I, from, from the tonality of the song, uh, as a recovering addict, I can see how this song is 100% about drugs and heroin. But the first cut, Aqua, and I think No Fear, No Hate, No Pain, all kind of have that feeling of of definitely... You know, a very drug heavy, like we're, we're, you know, I know they partied. Yeah. I don't know what they did. I don't yeah. know if they were doing heroin. They might have, but I have no idea. I think it's unquestionable that Aqua and uh, No Fear, No Hate, No Pain are, are drug songs. Aqua was, when I was listening to it uh, on the plane, I was like, whoa. Like, it's, it's like, that one really, like, stuck with me, too. That was one of them besides regrets that was like, because it's like, in this one, I think that I was like, I'm trying to figure out, but it looks like she was in a relationship with someone who was abusing it, and she witnessed them doing it. Yeah, and or or is it about? Because she says, "I saw you put the needle in." That's heroin. I mean, that's got to yeah. be heroin. But I mean, I don't know if I'm taking it too literal that I saw you put it in. Because I was like trying to figure out if she was she doing drugs, was she involved with someone that was heavy into drugs? That's the mystery. If there's anybody out there that knows that, please tag us and let us know if you find an article about it. I, I just think the lyrically, it's a heavy drug song. Also, no fear, no hate, no pain. I mean, that is exactly. And this is coming from me as a guy that used to be addicted to opiates. That's why I did it. I did drugs for because I didn't want to fear anything. I didn't want to hate anything anymore. I didn't want pain, and I didn't want my heart broken. You just want to be numb. And I think those those last three songs, even into Paint It Up, um, with the final song on the record, because uh, it's just it's literally to me a song about the ego. Uh, as I was reading it, Paint a Rumor, what's it going to spread? Paint a Rumor, see the place go red. I could tell you something, promise not to tell. I could tell you something, promise not to tell. I want to listen to it for a second because I want you to hear the first thing that I thought about when I heard this one. Time on Sprockets Van Beat. Oh my god. Paint a rumor. Ow, 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 ow. Wearing turtlenecks. Everybody's dancing. To, there's some German expressionism film all playing on in the background. I thought it was a good song, a good way to end uh, the album. Um, 
all in all, I think this was a fantastic record. Um, I mean, is this something you think you would recommend to somebody? To pa- to a particular person. I feel like I can go through my friends and be like, this is something that you'd enjoy, or I know it's something you wouldn't get or wouldn't enjoy. Completely. Um, I was thinking, too, like, let's say they're touring with this album. Yeah. Like, what is that experience, like that live experience, too? Because she's like, it's so heavy, and she's like talking through a lot of it. And it, it also, a lot of the, um, the album... For me, avoid avoided like normal pop conventions. Oh, this is completely it's a it's a pop anti pop record. Yeah, w- which is crazy. That's exactly right because it's like it, they are pop and it is kind of pop, but it 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 didn't follow any formula yeah. whatsoever. And I don't mean from song to song. I mean within the songs. Yeah, like the way that she sang a lot of times, would, it was so disjointed. And sometimes some of the lyrics and this I don't know. It was just kind of like, and I'm just wondering what that live experience is like because it's like. I can't picture like this being played live, let's say, and then like it ends, like the place just goes wild. I think I think when I mentioned this earlier about how I was reminded of Nine Inch Nails, I think I think I've seen Nine Inch Nails before live. I've seen DJs, I've seen Justice at uh, Life Is Beautiful just recently, uh, or even somebody like LCD Sound System, uh, and they put on incredible live shows. Because think about it, it right now just hearing it is is one thing. What well, sure, sonically. There it is. Perfect. Yeah, I mean, that's true, too. There's, there's so much happening, like the production of it and everything. The experience, like the live experience. To see it performed for masses, I wonder what that experience was like. Because it, it's, it's also like not even like something that you can necessarily sing along to. Yeah. It's, you know there's, I mean? there's not much. Ha- uh, the, the opening track, yes. Who's That Girl, I think I was singing along to. But it's just, it's one of those records that, I mean, it, it's it's stuck in, I think, in 1984. I feel like some of the songs can be taken forward here. She's probably still playing some of them. But it's just one of those records that I, I think, you know, might have been ahead of its time. Yeah. Uh, but it's, I mean, here's the deal. Let's go online, find out when the your rhythmics are playing. You and I are going. Oh, that would be amazing. And we'll fucking go see him. I don't think they play, though. Well, yeah. she's she's still playing. She, I'll go, we'll go see how Walk on Because we're about to find out what where they're at now. Do you want to do some facts? Oh, yeah. Okay, here we go. These facts are made of facts. Here come some facts. Here come some facts. That's not off the record, but I just that's the only song I could think of. All right, go. First fact. Your rhythmics is a real word. It is the art of interpreting music through bodily movements. It was developed in the early 1900s by the Swiss musician Emile Jacques Dalcraz, who used it to teach music. His teachings were applied by the French mime, I don't even want to say that, Etienne de Creux. <laughs> no idea that Eurythmics was a real word. Uh, I don't think we could ever use that. Uh, have you ever Eurythmicked? I, I feel like, is it like interpretive? I, it says it's the art of interpreting music through bodily movements. I read that, and I wasn't exactly sure. What Sounds like dancing. You mean yeah, dancing? Yeah. Maybe like um, interpreting, yeah, it's interpretive dance, right? As you just go up to a girl, you're like, hey, uh, Tina, and I was wondering, you know, they're playing my song. Uh, would you like to go out there and eurythmic with me? Eurythmic. With Will you eurythmic with me? Eurythmic. It comes from a word, eurythmy, I think, too. 
Look at you doing a little extra yeah, bonus yeah. points research. <laughs> All right, they dated. Uh, Stewart met a young hippie woman in a health food store, Annie Lennox. Stewart and Lennox were a couple while they were bandmates in a group called The Tourists from 77 to 80. Soon after forming the Eurythmics in 80, they split up but continued making music together. Many of their early songs express the complex feelings that come with being in such a proximity to your ex-lover. Now, let me ask you a question. Now, now I know... Uh, you aren't dating the guys, but you have been working with them <laughs> closely. Um, how has that worked to to work with people so closely that you've known all your life? Do you know what yeah, I mean? It's kind of nutty, dude. It is because we're, we're together like I would say ninety five percent of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it has its pros and cons, you know. Like it's like we have a shorthand. It's good to, from what I like, the experience I had to go through. I got to share it with three people I'm close to and I trust. Which is definitely probably better than experiencing it alone. For sure. You have people that are going through what you're going through. You can bounce stuff off of. It is odd. <clears throat> with uh, with success has come more and more opportunity and more work. Mm-hmm. So we don't just make the show together. You know, We tour together and we have other projects together. And when it's all said and done, sometimes we're together like 50 days in a row or something like that. Yeah. Um, and I think we do a great job at it considering. But it is, it is like... Uh, it is a real unique situation. We have to make a lot of uh, dis- important decisions by committee, sometimes 100 decisions a day. And uh, it, it's tough to navigate. But now we've been doing it like you know, eight years or whatever. So it is uh, – I don't know. I, it, it, it's different than going in and having coworkers in any other job. You know what I mean? Like Yeah. Even if you worked in a place, oh, I've been at this place 15 years. He's one of my coworkers. It's different because this ble- it bleeds into our life. It's not a job that you leave. Yeah, I get you know it. what I mean? So um, what was the question? <laughs> well, the question was, how is that, you know, when you work with some, you've known people before you started working with them. Yeah. Uh, you're working with them so closely. Yeah. Like, how does that affect you and your relationships with them, especially now that you have a business together? You make sacrifices, too, because first and foremost has to come the work yeah. and the responsibility. And there's so much of that that we don't get to the social. We try to. Like, you know, we'll sneak in a movie on the road and this and that. But every once in a while, like when we're down, which is not common, but we're down like a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. two weeks go by, I don't see them. And, and I think we all need that. From each other. But then it'll, it'll be like, oh, let's go do like, let's go to shopping or something w- that we used to do from way back. Yeah. And then we do that thing and you immediately, it's crazy. You feel a feeling that you didn't realize you forgot. Yeah. Which is, oh my God, remember what our rapport was and our relationship was before all this yeah and it's like oh my god i miss this like this is just like it's just about hanging out it's just about enjoying each other's company we don't get that with each other much as much anymore because you're spending so much time working together that the second you break away you just want to be step away from it so i mean considering that they used to date and had to work together you can see why they might have only lasted for a certain you know, number of albums. I wonder if these these songs, because they were broken up by. The I think album. there's. I definitely think there's a lot of relationship stuff between them. Maybe who's that girl? Album? I mean, dude, who's that girl? Could be her singing to him, or, or you know, I mean, who knows? It's imagine just, that. Imagine that though. They're in there making this this song together about each other. Yeah, who is that girl? <laughs> That's those awesome it's good lyrics crazy. that I wrote, David. I, w- I, I don't was know why I made Annie Lennox sound like a black woman. Like, yeah, David, well, you know what the fuck I'm saying. She is the number one white soul singer. She's the number one white soul singer, as voted on by VH1 magazine, VH1 channel and magazine. I, I was surprised at the 
the record didn't deviate from like scorned love and heavy pain in relationships. I think this is just it was front to back. Like there wasn't even one song like, oh, this is a song about when I went to New Zealand or whatever. Like, I don't everything know. is yeah, everything even right by your side is about love. Um, all right, moving on. Annie Lennox. I just thought these were very interesting. This one, Annie Lennox's middle name is Griselda, and her birthday is on Christmas. What's worse? Oh. Christmas, Christmas, yeah, yeah. You know, I didn't know her name was Griselda. Yeah, you can just bury <laughs> Griselda, Griselda, but but Christmas birthday is just. It's, it's I feel nice. weird having mine. Like mine's in November. I feel like mine's in the perfect place. We have. I'm November fourteenth, and you're November sixth. Yeah. And what I love about so we're Scorpios. Yeah. That's why we're very sensitive. That's why I'm a frequent crier. Pro- <laughs> I can't say frequent crier program <laughs> lifetime member. But no, but I feel like that's, you know, November's a great birthday. Having one on, like, 4th of July, yeah. on, like, a party day already, like, that's just, like, my dad had a had a one that would fall on Thanksgiving every couple years, yeah. and I just felt so bad for him. Yeah, Christmas is fucking rough, because, let's be honest, right, not only are, not only all the obvious reasons, but even, like, I mean, I know they're saying, like, this one's the birthday gift, and this one's the, but really... Out of all the years you're alive, how many times is it just like, all right, let's get the Christmas gifts, pick one, that'll be the birthday gift. Yeah. And not that it's all about gifts, but Christmas is about gifts. It's, I mean, it's, it's definitely family. It's definitely baby Jesus, if that's what you believe. But then it's also like, hey, man, let's have a really nice meal, uh, watch some NBA basketball, the really good games, and just eat and be merry. I love Christmas. It's my favorite holiday. Me, I would is, hate to have it tainted with my birthday. It, oh, my God. It's mine, too. I would feel bad for Christmas. That my, I'm so sorry, Christmas, that my birthday is trying to step on your toes. <laughs> are you a this big? Your, are you like a real big Christmas guy? Dude, like for real, though? Dude, I'm talking. Because I am huge Christmas. Baby, I'm talking from November, yes, the beginning of November. Me, too. From Halloween's the D-Day. Me, too. It starts, especially in L.A., it's just the, it just starts getting nicer and nicer and nicer, and then we get boom. My birthday. Then we get, boom, Thanksgiving. And then it is just the best time of the year. From after Thanksgiving to Christmas, hands down. I dig into Christmas November 1st, though. Like, I, I'm I'm Christmas music in November. Yeah. I don't even give a shit. Oh, I'm, I'm the same way. I don't care about people that are like, what? You're Christmas in November? I don't give like, a shit. Yeah, dude. I'm Christmas, Christmas in it's November. It's too fast. It's too good and comes too fast. Dude. I want to extend it. So I'm like, I go November and I go, I sail. I, I take my Christmas tree down in March, man. That's a little long time. I but, I mean, is, but I dig it. That's crazy. I've done it. I should say I've done it. I've done it. There's take, nothing wrong with that. Take, there's no judgment here. There's March. no judgment. Last year, I took it down like probably in Feb. Feb? Yeah. But I don't give a shit. That's it's good. so nice. I like shutting all the lights, and I, I just, I just yes. live. I live by tree light. Only. Yeah, it's so, it's so much Dude, fun. Dude, Christmas is such a dope holiday. It needs a. There's a pre-holiday the day before to prepare your ass for it. It's like, oh, you ready? You did Christmas. We gonna give you the day before Christmas Eve. It's amazing. It's the shit. Dude. And then I would hate to like. Then if you if you group your birthday into that. That's one less day a year that you have that you to have enjoy. that's really special. Yeah, like because you have to special load, you have to double that up. Yeah, completely. I feel bad for it. All right, sorry, Annie <laughs> sorry, Griselda, Annie, Annie, sorry, Griselda. Annie Griselda Lennox. I'm sorry. Some of her famous friends are Elton John, Freddie Mercury, Sting, and Paul McCartney. Uh, who would you say is your most famous friend? Oh my God! Because you said somebody earlier, you were talking about Bon Jovi, and you were like, yeah, I met him. I was like, Oh my God. Uh, I I just know him because of um because of w- w- my manager used to manage him okay and so uh, I found out that the family liked the show and then we subsequently met them his wife his kids one of his children works on my show now oh that's awesome and so I got to meet him I I don't I well friend is different like friend 
friend well, friends? Let's, let's do or this. Here, here's I mean, a here's a better that, question. What's what's the what's the one number in your cell phone that you have that your just mind is blown that you have their number in your phone? I don't even know. I have Kenny Loggins, bro. That's that's insane. He did my TV show. I have Kenny Loggins. I just saw it the other day. I was like, holy shit! I got Kenny Loggins' number. That is nuts. It is nutty. That is Kenny Loggins. Is a you, good want, one. you want to call? <laughs> that is hysterical. Hold on. You know what? Nah. <laughs> I don't even know. I haven't hysterical. talked to him since the premiere party. I mean, I you know this. You know what? Give me my phone. Yeah. Here's my yeah. phone. I'm calling Kenny Loggins. <laughs> Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King, an off-road minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. By the way, like, I know all of his songs. This, so ladies and gentlemen, I am 100% calling Kenny Loggins right now. This is not bullshit. You, you have that relationship? Dude, you uh, not at all, but, uh, dude, if there was ever a time I was going to call him to put Kenny Loggins on air, yeah, I'm just going to say wrong number if he picks up. What do I say? <laughs> but well, I don't, he are might. You not, are you not saved? No, his? I know him. He did my Wait, show. Why do you know? Because he did my television show. He sang with John Renitsky at the you. taping, and then he gave me my number. And uh, have you ever used it? I'm gonna do it right now. So you've never used it. I've never. It. Maybe I paid. Let me see if I text him. I sent him just my name. Okay, that day. What do I say right now? And this taping was probably two years ago, right? About two, yeah. Yeah. Should I do it? I'm doing it. He's not picking up. Oh, this is amazing, though. Oh, my God. I got an idea. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's very unique. I wonder what Kenny Loggins is doing right now. I'm going to invite him to the jam on November 15th. All right. Great. I hope he has a voicemail message that says, come on, don't pick up and just play your voicemail. Why don't we call him a C-man after this? Hi, this is Kenny. Leave a message. Thank you. At the tone, please record your message. When you have finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. Hey, Kenny, it's Josh Adam Myers from uh, the Goddamn Comedy Jam. You had done my TV show uh, a few years ago. I just wanted to call and extend an invite and see if you wanted to come to the jam on November 15th at the Roxy, doing a special show for my birthday. I would love to have you come. Uh, I'll text you the details, uh, but it would be great to see you, buddy. Uh, bring your son, man. He was awesome. It was great meeting the two of you guys at that party. Uh, have a great night, man. Talk to you soon. Four one. Oh, I don't want to say my number. Wait, he's not going to get that. I didn't know what I did. I could have just bleeped it out. Yeah. What an idiot. Yeah, you could have just bleeped it out. Abort. Abort. <laughs> well, you didn't realize what he's listening to. Hear me say, I don't want to say my number. I don't want to hey, he'll think, You know what? He'll think I'm he's like, you know what? He's like, I respect that guy. He doesn't want to waste his time telling me his number. He knows that the number popped up. Well, that was yeah, a well, first. He'll get the number. All right, so who is you your— You got into the danger zone right Dude, there. that was—I'm, like, freaking out that was right now. I literally had a spike in insulin in me. He's going to be like, yeah, just come. My number is four. I don't want to give you my number. Click. <laughs> <laughs> How funny is that? Tune in next week, guys. <laughs> uh, so who is— I like it. It's just like, hey, it's Kenny. It's so chill. It's exactly how it's I, exact. I, 
it was like the most baseline. Like it was like the typical message. How great would it have been if it was just like something hysterical, <laughs> like just like uh, I don't know. Thank even... you for calling <laughs> my phone. Yeah. And I said thank you. I'm gonna call you back. Call you back. Please leave your name and number slack. Oh Jack. He's like, hey, it's Kenny. Uh, what's up? And he starts talking. He's like. I can't get to the front. I got you. Yeah, ya. Got He's like, you. Loggins got you. <laughs> you got Loggins. Uh, unless this is, you said that was so funny earlier. He said, let's call Messina. <laughs> so who's who's the most random number you got in your phone? I, I honestly, I, it, this so I just can't really think. I know, like, I'm just trying to think of someone really big that people would think is a big star. Hit me. Uh, maybe Vince Vaughn. That's awesome. That's a big one. Uh, maybe, I don't even know, man. Who's the one that means something to you that you're just like, I can't believe I'm friends with this it's person? It's all comics. It's all comics? Yeah. Like, I uh, can't believe that some of the comics that I'm friends with. Like, you know, have it like a tells number or It's mind-blowing. The people, or, that, you, the yeah. people that you looked up to yeah. and, and, and that you're, I'm about to go jam with, with Bill Burr in Madison He's Square like Garden. He's hero. It's the greatest and every thing. time I hang with him and talk to him, like, I never let on to it. I get it. <laughs> I get it. But I'm just like, you are literally, like, probably arguably my favorite comic ever if not top three or whatever it is he's so humble too like i once talked to bill and like I, we, we, the conversation got into comedy yeah and he was just like talking about other comics he thought were amazing and he's like so humble about himself it's crazy it, it's he's talking about them like he's not right there or better than them i know and, but he but 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 genuinely like it's not be he's not being like and i just was like i can't believe this guy doesn't I mean, I'm sure he knows how good he is, but yeah. it's like the way he was talking was surprising to me because I was just like, "You are that yourself." Like, it's just so nuts. But he's such a nice, down-to-earth guy, man. I, yeah, he's like a hero of mine, dude. I, I couldn't agree with you more. To to be able to say I've done shows with some of the people that I've that I've done them with, it's it's, dude. You know what? I'll tell you this, and and I think you'll you'll love this. Bill said this to me when the first time we played Madison Square Garden together. Um, he goes, I was like, I can't believe this, man. We're, we're jamming here at Madison Square Garden. He goes, see what happens when you follow your dreams? Cool shit happens. And I was just like, that's it. It's just like cool shit happens when you follow your dreams. Yeah. If you put the effort and you take that one step towards the direction of what you've always wanted, you know, you're going to have incredible experiences because it's in it's you're following your heart and and it's like it's just all love from that point on you're gonna get beaten down you're not gonna get everything you want right off the jump but it's like when you push forward you're gonna have kenny Loggins' phone number you know what you're i mean gonna, yeah. you're gonna be able to say that you know you've you've gone to michael bolton's christmas party or some shit like right. that it's just that's why it's like people out there i'm telling you i know if you're if you're doing something and you always wanted to do something else do that something else. If you said, I want to, you know what? I want to, I want to go to this place. I've never traveled there. Do it. Set up. Take that first step to doing that, man. Do not wait on your life because I'm telling you, by the time you, you, you you know, it's like you could be in your 20s right now and you snap your fingers, you're going to be 70. Oh, <laughs> Josh is telling you to do something, so motherfuckers just do it. <laughs> All right, another fact, everybody, because this is going to lead in. We only got a couple more facts. Annie Lennox studied flute and keyboards at the Royal Academy of Music in London, and that was basically her career before. She was a flute, a flautist. Uh, and one of her incredible hidden talents is that, and she got to play that on a lot of the Eurythmic records. 
Uh, do you have any hidden talents that people wouldn't know about? Uh, um, hidden? The hard-hitting questions on the 500. <laughs> Can you tie a cherry string together with your tongue? Hidden, hidden talents. Jesus Christ. I, I got to believe that I might not. I... I you got I, something. A hidden talent? I mean, I'd say uh, refrigerator organizing is, is fantastic. That's yeah. a, that's definitely, you should see this fridge, people. It's everything you ever dreamed of. They got every flavor of LaCroix <laughs> in there. He literally put down four drink choices for me. <laughs> awesome. I, 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 now I, want, I don't want to go away without giving you a hidden talent, but I, I just, what would people be surprised that I can do? Jeez, I can't play any instruments. I cannot tie a cherry stem with my tongue. Do you have hidden talents? Well, musically, yes. Hidden, um, I don't know. It's actually, I should have probably thought about my answer before I asked you this question. I, I think, I mean, I can, uh, no, I don't have any hidden talents either. All right, well, this question's going to be cut I'm out. I'm a good judge of character. <laughs> that's, no, that's a good talent. I did, I, 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 I'm not, um, I got a, I got an academic scholarship to college, but I'm not books, I'm not really book smart. I was when I was little, but like I kind of, fell off of it but i yeah. think i think i am um very intuitive when it comes to people and relationships yeah yeah but i i, I feel like i failed you on this one you didn't fail me on it don't worry this yeah. has been fantastic do you want to get to the what we could do is so if you how, think of how it, much of a boring answer was that it listen it, it's none of this is boring yeah because you're such an interesting person and yeah. you're so likable i think really one of your hidden talents is your likability and also, one of your hidden talents is how you can pick 45 songs uh, for the goddamn comedy jam every time you do it. I have it. a crazy memory. That's great. Is that, is that's, that, a, that's a hidden that's talent. A, I, I can mean, tell I, you, well, like, really, that's just living. What I, mean, I was wearing or eating at like like 20 years ago. And they, this next, this is the last fact, and, and, and we're going to get out of here. And I can't thank you enough for doing this. I love you so much. Last yeah. fact. Uh, I don't even know if there's a question I can send with this one. I just love this fact so much. David A. Stewart. Mm-hmm. The second half, or really just as important as Annie Lennox, went on to produce albums for numerous artists such as Stevie Nicks, Wilson Phillips, Katy Perry, and also he scored a bunch of film and television. Uh, Just a little fact that I thought was awesome. He actually did the score for the movie Showgirls. That's mind-blowing. Isn't that mind-blowing? That is unbelievable. Such... A, what a weird fact. A weird, well, no, the, supposedly the, the director and the writer reached out to him because they were such fans of the Eurythmics. And they said, we have this movie. It's kind of shitty. But we think uh, you'd be perfect to score a very weird lap dance scene where uh, I want to rewatch Barkley, it. Have you not seen Showgirls? No, no, I saw it. I saw it in theaters and I probably saw it again. And I remember seeing it's god awful but in the best way it's perfect cheese yeah, yeah. And, and knowing that that somebody like david a smith is a part of it doing the score well he got away unscathed nobody knows that no he well i mean it was on the wikipedia page and if you go to the imbb page it's on there yeah. let me ask you this and then this will be the last question is totally unrelated to it what's your uh your guilty pleasure what's something that you are almost embarrassed about that you that you might you know you're like you're a fan of this you own this what is um, it's probably something like I that I watch on TV. Like I, what is it? Okay, so okay, Hit so me. here's a here's a here's a here's something you probably wouldn't get from me or, like a lot of people have the same favorite TV shows, but I think my absolute favorite at the moment 
is World of Dance. Ooh. It's a Jennifer Lopez vehicle. Uh, with uh, she's with uh, <laughs> Neo, and uh, and uh, what the hell is that guy's name? Derek Huff. They're the three judges. Yeah, it's a it's a dance competition, and they have different categories from ch- children to adult. Yeah, oh, I know the show, dude. Oh, you know, I, I, I mean, I don't I don't watch it per se, but, about I, but I know. I laugh. I cry. It's brilliant. It's it's so good. I'm so into it. Like I've seen any dance, any of the dance. Shows. You're you're very big. Oh, into dance. so you think you could dance? That was I was big on that. Yeah. Like I, I really do like that. Like you know, I, I'll sit down. I invest hours in it. I love it. You know, and I, and I, and I really get into it. Like I know all about it. I learned about dance. Like I, I have an education. Like I, I, I'll, I'll judge. I'm like the fourth judge when I watch it. Oh, I love that. And I judge before they judge, and then I, I nail all that. I'm like really into it. I think I, I suggest it to people. But people, I think something like that, World of Dance, people wouldn't think. I think it's, I think it's fun <laughs> for, as a guilty pleasure, right? That's a guilty pleasure. It's right? a very big guilty pleasure. Yeah. Um, Sal, I can't thank you enough, man, for coming on. This was fantastic. You're you're you, buddy. one of my favorite people, uh, uh, and and all the success that you, that you get is so well deserved because you have some of the best energy I've ever felt coming off a person in my life, Aww. and then and just people love being around you, and and I'm just so happy I could have. Hung out with you and, and talk about the Eurythmics, man. It was fun. I hope I, I did do some justice. I he know. did it. If not, there'll be regret. Found that ass, you. All right, buddy. I love you. I love you. <laughs> what did I tell you? He's the most adorable man in the whole entire land. He's Sal Volcano. If you want to find Sal Volcano on all social media, it's his name, Sal Volcano. And you guys can see him January 3rd of 2019 at Wise Guys Comedy Club in Salt Lake City, January 4th at the Paramount Theater in Denver, Colorado, and January 5th, he'll be in Aspen at the Wheeler Opera House, which I've done and is a fantastic room, guys. So go see Sal live, and if you want to find out all things Sal, go to salvolcanocomedy.com for all tour dates. Also, the Tenderloins are on tour with the Cranjus McBasketball World Comedy Tour, and they're going all over America and all over the land, so go to thetenderloins.com for all tour dates and tickets. Also, I'll be posting his mixtape track listing link on all my social media all music platforms and you can find it at the website the 500 podcast.com get inside sal's musical mind ladies and gents because we're getting it for you and we're giving it to you in a nice boat up package email the podcast at 500 podcast at gmail.com follow me at josh adam myers on all social media and if you guys want to come see some shows, guys, tonight I'm at the Venice Underground in Venice, California. That's by the beach. Uh, and I got a bunch of shows coming up. So they're all at my website, joshadammyers.com. And once again, the500podcast.com. Because if you go there, guess what you're going to find? The 500 Club. Yes, we created a 500 Club. Not to be confused with, confused with the 700 Club, which is a scary right-wing Christian uh, group that says really offensive stuff to people that don't believe what they believe. And if you believe that, you know, good for you. But we created a club. We're giving away merch, T-shirts, hoodies, live chats with me and my guests. And if you sign up 
you get all the episodes a day early on Tuesday, Record Store Tuesday. Plus, they're longer because I tape for like two and a half hours, and then we cut it down to get the best kachunka for your kashplunka. So join the movement, ladies and gents. The 500 Club is the shit. Do it at the500podcast.com. And for all details on Patreon membership options to go and support the 500. Now, we just listened to Eurythmics from 1983. Here is an artist that is directly influenced by this album. From Ireland, we have Royson Murphy and her song, World's Crazy. Thank you, Tim, for the song. Guys, if you want to submit your music to have it played at the end of the 500, send your music. 500podcast at gmail.com. Make sure you put the artist and the album that influenced you in the subject line. We will play your song, if we like it, at the end of the episode. Next week is Albert King Week with his 1967 album, Born Under a Bad Sign. So you got some homework to do. Happy New Year to each and every one of you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. May you be safe this weekend and throughout all of 2019.
You're a great person. Oh, you have so such good nice, energy. That's why I see you being like listening to this record and being like, yeah, this isn't my mood. Hold on, <laughs> let me put my song on. Just once, can we live <laughs> I love that you don't know the words. <laughs> and then you're crying. You're like, I'm sorry, I'm just listening to my song. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living. And every week, I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at soundtalentmedia.com, and I'll see you there. Next Chapter Podcasts.